2: Okay, y'all, just at the very beginning of this episode, I'm sure if you've read the title, you kind of already know, but just want to give a heads up of a content warning here. I know when it comes to fertility, pregnancy, and any of the such, this topic can get really controversial as well as can be really sensitive. So if you're not in a good place to talk about the ins and outs of surrogacy or the small bits of surrogacy that we are learning about, I guess, uh, you may want to skip This one, because like I said, I I know when it comes to conversations about pregnancy or loss of pregnancy, it it hurts. So go ahead and put this at the very top, move on through, listen to the next one. It might be. More fun. It might be. (laughs) It's according to what you choose. (laughs) (laughs) It's very up in the air, to be honest. Yeah, you never know with us. We know this. So, when it comes to surrogacy and the world of surrogates, I'm going to be really honest. I know very little about it. I will say the things that I know more so when it comes to children and having children, it pertains to adoption, foster care. And that's a whole other episode we're going to talk about one day because it's a lot of ins and outs. There's a lot of, uh, controversy coming out of that, which has always been so, but there's more light on it today, and I'm glad to see it. But when it comes to surrogacy, I don't know much. And after having a couple of conversations about the option of surrogacy and the details behind it, I I became curious. Uh, I do know some people and some friends who've either gone through it or talking about it as an option, and I've never really contemplated what that would look like. And so I got a little curious. I was like, Annie, have we talked about this? Because we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And because of that, yes, we wanted to discuss some of the conversations, statistics, and even the controversies surrounding the topic. And there's a lot more than I thought. I guess I should have known, yeah. but because I'm not in that world, there's a lot. And to put this at the top, the opinions and information of surrogacy seems pretty heavily biased uh, to the point that a majority of the information is trying to either persuade you to consider this as a commercial option, and we'll talk about that, or dissuade you in order to promote adoption or preservation of heritage. Uh, and we're not going to talk too much about what that means, but yeah, it's it should be a red flag for you, just hearing that term heritage to me. And yeah, I think, again, when it comes down to it, the organization in itself, we don't really talk about the surrogacy agencies, but It seems to be a multi-billion dollar thing as well. So keep that in the back of your head.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just like you, Samantha, this was... I was familiar with this subject. And as I told you, when I was younger, I offered to potentially be a surrogate for a friend of mine. I didn't go much beyond, like we talked about it, but I didn't go much beyond that. So this is a lot of new information for me as well. And this option in being able to use a surrogate, whether commercially, a commercial surrogate or an altruistic surrogate, is fairly new and in some states still considered illegal. And because of this, the standards do vary from each state, which seems fairly similar to that of the standards of abortion, not just as uh, morally objected to, though, again, it is still somewhat morally judged, just not at the same level that abortion is.
2: Right. And so with that, we are learning. So we're going to go ahead and put this here. We are learning with you. And just because we may say a statement or let you know of a statistic or an opinion, that doesn't mean that's our opinion necessarily. We're just trying to kind of even out what's being said. Because again, this is the things that you get hit with. And as we've talked about before, when it comes to statistics, when it comes to uh, theories, a lot of it is biased, no matter what. And trying to get down to the nitty gritty Very limited, very limited. And like I said, you have a lot of options out there when you Google it, but when you see where it comes from, you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And as always, if there are listeners out there that can illuminate this topic, we would absolutely love to hear from you. But what you just did, Samantha, felt very much like when you start to watch a DVD and there's that note that's like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Please be aware the comment <laughs> does not <Right>. necessarily reflect <laughs> right our opinions. Yes.
2: It's kind of like other people's Twitter is like a uh, retweet is yes. not an endorsement. Yes. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing.
1: All right. So, before we start, let's do some definitions. So, for surrogacy, as defined in Merriam-Webster, it is the practice of serving as a surrogate mother. According to surrogate.com, it is the practice by which a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a baby in order to give it to someone who cannot have children. And within... Those definitions are several types of surrogacy, including traditional. This type of surrogacy is when the surrogate's egg is used, which makes the surrogate the biological mother. There's gestational, and this is when the surrogate has no biological link to the baby. And then there is commercial. This is referring to a surrogacy arrangement where the surrogate is compensated for service beyond just the medical cost. And this type is typically the most controversial.
2: Correct. Um, And then there's altruistic, or I've also seen it as stated as compassionate. And this is typically referring to when a surrogate is someone who is not compensated outside of the medical cost. And it's usually someone that the family knows, like a friend or family member. Annie, I'm guessing if you had gone through it, it would have been... Altruistic, Yes. Because it was a friend that they knew. Mm-hmm. And even though this term is kind of referring to the compassionate, again, or altruistic, meaning I'm doing it out of the goodness of my heart to help someone, uh, that does not mean that uh, those who are compensated or commercial is not altruistic in its meaning or the reason behind it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the articles that I've read for women who say why I became a surrogate um, do say that I wanted to help other women. Mm-hmm. So I do want to put that as a caveat. We are not saying just because it's commercial, that it's not from the goodness of someone's heart. Yes. Right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when we talk about agency, we're talking about surrogacy agencies. Uh, This is when a person goes through an agency or an organization for their surrogacy needs and services. And that could include things like matching and screening, uh, counseling support services, and case management within. And some of them, I think, also do legal stuff because in different states, you have to go through an adoption process to make it legal.
1: So a lot of things. Yes, a lot of things. Then there's independent, also known as private surrogacy. And this is an arrangement made between the intended parent and surrogate without the assistance from an agency. Then there's identified, and this is when the surrogate is already found before any services or agencies are used. So oftentimes it's linked to altruistic or compassionate surrogacy. So what
2: does this process look like? And we're not going to go into the ins and outs, although we probably should. I don't know, Any have we done an episode on in vitro fertilization?
1: Uh, You and I have not. Past hosts, I believe, have, but I'm sure we could revisit it because those kinds of things are changing all the time.
2: All all the time, yes. Reproductive... Mm Technology has changed drastically. Mm -hmm. So for this process, in a gestational surrogacy, the process of in vitro fertilization or IVF is used. Again, gestational is having to use someone else's egg, remember that, or the intended parent's egg. So it's an egg that's not the surrogate's. So the embryo is created in the lab and will be transferred to the surrogate's uterus. Again, there's no genetic connection for the surrogate and the embryo. And a week after the embryo transfers, the doctor measures the pregnancy hormones to see the progress of the procedure. And again, it's not uncommon for multiple transfers to take place before one is actually successful, which is also why there's a higher number of twins or multiple uh, children and births because that's kind of a pick and choose kind of thing for in vitro fertilization. But again, this is a very brief explanation about what's going on. It's a whole procedure. I know this. There's hormones involved. There's weeks and days of doctor's appointments, all of that. But just kind of putting that out there, it's kind of like a short review.
1: (laughs) Yes. And some of you have written in about this process. And we really, really appreciate all of you taking the time. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect.
2: Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
1: We do have some statistics, although finding statistics for surrogacy is difficult which is not that surprising since it's pretty controversial still, which we are going to get into for sure. Um, But there are a few numbers we do know. According to the CDC, between 1999 and 2013, 2%, or almost 31,000, of all Assisted Reproductive Technology Cycles, or ART, used a gestational surrogate. And the numbers more than doubled in 2013 from 1999, from 1% to 2.5%. Yeah. I thought those numbers were interesting, especially because it still looks so low in comparison to. Yeah. I was
2: not able to find anything past 2013. So, I found that interesting because it's been, what, eight years?
1: (laughs) Yep. It sure has. (laughs) It sure has. There are some things that you're like, certainly someone's been keeping track of this. (laughs) And then, I, you know, shame on me every time. Like, nope, I guess not. (laughs) Um, Or they're not publishing them anyway. And within these numbers, there were at least 18,400 births, and random fact, yes, 53.4% of those were twins, triplets, are higher order multiples, and most of the carriers were less than 35 years old, as it is more of a risk for later ages as you get older.
2: Right. And according to one article, the number of surrogates have decreased greatly this year. One agency reported that pre-pandemic, wait time for intended parents, who the parents who are trying to seek a surrogate, was estimated from three to four months, which changed to one to two months during the actual quarantine or the pandemic times, um, and now has changed to eight months or longer. One agency stated that their numbers showed a 60% decrease of surrogates from previous years. Also, there's a conversation about vaccinated versus not vaccinated. Uh And it's a completely interesting conversation to the fact that, as they said, there's more likely that they want vaccinated surrogates, but the ones who are asking for non-vaccinated have a longer wait time. uh, Uh Because, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we are pro backs here. So if you're very upset by that statement, you should move on. But <laughs> if I found that interesting, as well as the fact that they were trying to find reasons as to why the decrease has happened. And many people are talking about illnesses and just quarantine, taking time for themselves or not wanting to come out and yeah. uh, meet new people. And I've I've heard of people talking about how they thought they had one and then things happen, whether illnesses or deaths in the family, which we know is people have been pretty rocked last year with yep. a lot of deaths. So so that's kind of possibly why these numbers have decreased so vastly.
1: Yeah, and I know for me and a lot of friends and I believe including you Samantha, like I there are things medically I wanted to get done that I just don't want to get done during a right. pandemic so I just put off all of these things and I keep thinking like hopefully it'll be done soon and I can go fix this or I can go check this out. And it keeps going. (laughs) And it keeps (laughs) going. Take care of yourselves, everybody. So we also wanted to get into some of the legalities of surrogacy and surrogates. Because when it comes to laws and regulations, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to consider. In the U.S., the American Society for Reproductive Medicine requires surrogates to be between the ages of 21 and 43 to have had at least one full-term healthy pregnancy and delivery, but no more. Than five. But it does go beyond just simple regulations. It's something that is defined and watched closely state by state.
2: There's apparently no federal mandates to it. Uh, So I believe even though we do have that regulation by the ASRM, there's no actual federal mandates. And we are going to talk about a specific uh, Supreme Court case. That really didn't change much, though. It seems the biggest role for federal level is to just not address it. And that's what a lot of the articles said. They're just like, we're just going to pretend like it's not here. However, internationally, it has been addressed, including the fact we're talking about India a little bit, who uh, banned the practice in 2018. But back to the states. A few states have very strict laws, especially when it comes to commercial surrogacies. Uh, Louisiana, Michigan, and Nebraska have very limited, if not completely outlawed, any practice of compensated surrogacy. And it even goes as far as banning named parents. Parents on birth certificates. So literally saying these intended parents can't be on there. So I think we've talked about this before, but when it comes to child support, birth certificates, there's a lot of like loose ends and a lot of question marks when it comes to legitimacy in parents and parentification. So this is one of those big things that you really have to look into. So yeah, and it affects you if you're not biological. So if the father is using his own sperm to impregnate the egg, then maybe he can actually sign off because it is biologically, genetically his, Mm -hmm. but the mother may not be able to. Um, And there are some exceptions for this, but most of those exceptions are for those who are in heterosexual marriages, which is not surprising. And that, specifically in Louisiana, seems to be the most strict that I've seen in the States, but I could be wrong. Mm Because, you know, I didn't click on every state. There is a website we can direct you to because they're very good at showing what's allowed and what's not. But I was like, wow. That is really specific. Mm -hmm. And then those few states that have very strict statutes or laws and have a lot of limitation when it comes to surrogacy. And if you're considering uh, surrogacy as an option, you may want to take a deeper look, especially if you live in Arizona, Indiana, Idaho, New York. Although they have changed, they did, I believe, allow for practice and they definitely allow for altruistic uh, surrogacy. But I think New York lifted their ban. I could be wrong. Uh, Tennessee, Virginia, and Wyoming are some of the more stricter practices. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So you might want to go and click and see what's specifically happening in your
1: area. For sure. And one of the big caveats in some of these laws and regulations is the right of the surrogate themselves. Several states do not enforce the contracts, and so these agreements can be void, which can cause a lot of drama for people. As in fact, a famous case referred to as Baby M case went all the way up to the Supreme Court and yes, had a big effect in the world of surrogacy. But we will get to that in a bit. And because of these guidelines and different regulations, parental rights are not necessarily guaranteed for surrogacy. Some states require one to pass uh, the adoption proceedings for legal custody or a, quote, declaration of parentage before birth. Either way, many recommend hiring reproductive rights lawyers. There's plenty
2: out there, apparently. Again, Mm. wow. And uh, from what I understood, there are at least over 100 surrogacy agencies, which is still a lot less than I expected, uh, to be honest, because they also work internationally, from what I understand. And seemingly, a lot of people who are looking for surrogacy will come to the U.S. Uh. to actually get the procedure done. So I found that fascinating, as it's still very limited Mm. uh, here as well. Um, Mm. So... Let's talk about why people look at surrogacy as an option. And it's not so unheard of for families and individuals to start talking about all of their options when it comes to children. And we've talked about it previously, whether it's something we thought we would do, myself, have children, you know, or still contemplating whether it's something we want to do. Of course, as I get older, this decision feels like it's no longer a choice. And uh, it's starting to get a little harder and I'm starting to contemplate, maybe I want to do something like this, even though, again, uh, adoption is something that is an option that I would consider, but a lot of people don't. And again, we've talked about the many implications of adoptions and little complications as well. So that might not be something that they want, but let's talk about the why.
1: Yes. Let us talk about the why. So some of the reasons include infertility, and that's probably one of the biggest for people who are looking at surrogacy as an option. Um, And when we say infertility, we were talking about the CDC definition, which is not being able to get pregnant, conceive after one year or longer of unprotected sex. And if the person is age 35 or older, they may consider treatment for infertility if they are unable to get pregnant after six months of unprotected sex. And so for my friend who we were discussing this with, this is what she was struggling with. And she was thinking about options. And according to the CDC, In very heteronormative language, this is fairly common. About 6% of married women ages 15 to 44 are considered infertile, and about 12% of women that same age have difficulty getting pregnant or being able to carry full-term or that's also known as impaired fecundity.
2: And then there are same-sex couples. And of course, one of the controversy comes from the fact that the LGBTQ plus community continues to have to fight for any rights whatsoever. And that includes being able to have the family they dreamt of. um, And of course, includes being able to use surrogacy as an option. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it in the controversial states, especially when it comes to gay men. And yeah, this is what we're mainly talking about when we talk about gay men uh, hiring a surrogate. Uh, Just that option. And using surrogates has gained some popularity. uh, Yeah, a lot of popularity with the gay community. But there continues to be a lot of red tape that gay couples have to go through to be able to do so in many of the states. Of course, this is just as complicated as adoption as many of the states have decided to outlaw that as well. Ban uh, uh, gay couples from adopting and being able to have rights two children and be able to be parents in general, which is horrific to me and heartbreaking. Um, However, the statistics show that number of men using surrogacy has gone up for those who are able to and has gone up by 50% from 2010
1: to 2016. Wow. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there are nonprofits that help gay men go through the process of surrogacy to be able to have the family that they want. And because infertility affects men as well, many organizations are looking to ensure that men are able to be covered by insurance for fertility treatment and testing as some will often deny those who are not in a heterosexual marriage. But that's not all. They are also looking for a way of getting affordable coverage for those who are seeking to start their family as the process can cost anywhere from $100,000 to $200,000 with the commercial surrogates being compensated anywhere from $22,000 to $25,000.
2: Right. And those numbers, uh, the compensation part for the surrogates are the mm-hmm. U.S. numbers because it's significantly lower outside of the U.S., not surprisingly. But the the actual process for the agencies are about that price. Uh, I did see one place that maybe it was 22000 that it starts there. I don't know where that is because in the U.S. it's showing 100000 as the beginning Oof. price. So another reason for this may be aging Or just singleness. So I put these into one category because I think that a lot of women could Mm -hmm. be both and or. Uh, And I'll be honest, again, this is why I've been thinking about it so much lately. Not necessarily because I want children, but because I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting to the point that I can't, I won't be able to. Or there's going to be a lot of complications and do I even want to go through there. And to be honest, my own past history that I know very little of makes me worry that I'm not even able to Mm. anyway. But there has been that as well as the fact that, yeah, I also don't want to be married. So, but I would, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I think I'd be a good mom sometime. I think that sometimes. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I I will hold to like, huh, but I would like to be able to have that option. And so maybe saving my eggs or freezing my eggs for now and then having a surrogate later on wouldn't be Mm -hmm. a bad thing. So there definitely comes through my head. Uh, and that is also part of the reason some do want to do this. They are talking about it. It's a Sex in the City episode, Near by it. the way. Miranda saves her eggs, freezes Near her it. eggs. Uh, they don't really get a surrogate, but I just thought that was <laughs> interesting. Uh, but another reason that they may choose legacy is past trauma alone. And whether we're talking about trauma as in like abusive trauma from the past or whether we're talking about PTSD from previous pregnancies, like things like that, there's a lot of conversations about
1: this is not healthy for me and it triggers a lot of things, but I do want children. This may be the mm-hmm. best route. And then there are also physical problems, people who might not be able to have children due to some type of physical issue or overall complications with their health. That's another reason
2: people might want to surrogate. Right. And then sometimes it's because they want to. Yeah. Point blank. And I know that one point, I believe Kim Kardashian was heavily criticized because she did use surrogates. And they're like, that's because she wants to keep her figure, blah, 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 blah. And one through a lot of judgment. Mm-hmm. Turns out that there was a whole different issue with like her placenta, thing had detached at one point and that caused a lot of complications. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. And again, this is one of those like conversations like, why, why, <laughs> why? Right. And if that this is what they choose and it's legal and they're consenting, I don't Mm -hmm. and it's above board. Right. Yeah. I don't understand. Mm. But yeah, people may just choose to go that route point blank. Mm And then, so talking about Kim Kardashian, and we've talked about it a bit, uh, it's just the overall controversies that happen under the guise of surrogacy and surrogate pregnancies. So much so that many families, especially women, and there were several articles, uh, are shamed for their decisions. So we'll try to keep it a secret, yeah. not acknowledge it, or just try to move on. Um, and we talked about it before, just the stigma of women not being able to have or want children. Um, there's a judgment there. And We did a whole episode of like, oh, we're failing as women. Because We don't want right. them, or we don't want them now, or we don't have them now. Either of those things, and again, there's so seems to be many who freely give their opinions and judgments without knowing what the individual is going through yeah. on their own. Um, and just beyond having judgy McJudgesons that exist, there are many who feel that this goes beyond that, as in, like, oh, this is goes against all of humanity. <laughs>
1: It's really bad. Uh Well, one big controversy is that people believe this is a a tightrope of using women as just mere birthing machines and that this can lead to taking advantage of those who are economically disadvantaged. According to one study about the law created in India in 2018, which banned commercial surrogacy in the country and also placed heavily restricted rules on altruistic surrogacies, quote, some feminists also criticized the commodification of women's reproductive body, turning women into disposable beings, living tools, or baby machines, and draw parallels with prostitution and slavery. So... They believe that using surrogates, especially those who are in dire need due to their circumstances, is something that's leaning towards a level of slavery and disenfranchisement.
2: Right.
0: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring, with access to over 6 million active hourly workers—
1: Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect.
2: Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. And there has been misconduct in the practice, so this is not too far off when it comes to some organizations as there were no real regulations for the agencies or clinics, just overall guidelines. Um, and in 2012, reports came out of women being confined to hostels, not properly compensated and not being told of all the risks of the procedure going through the pregnancy or having these bab- having babies. And in some cases, that the surrogates had no rights whatsoever. So yeah, that is definitely leaning towards the trafficking, the alarmist. What are they doing? They're not being made aware. And oftentimes they are, yeah, they're taken advantage of. And the pay was so inconsistent that it brought up a lot of red flags for the actual practice. Of course, some would say, you know, no, but this was helping the families. We actually, you know, they found a couple of women who were surrogates and they were concerned when the ban took place because it really helped them during a dire time. So they had jobs, gotten fired, whether it was because of pandemic reasons or whatever they were able to provide. One talked about how they were able to build a house from that money. Mm -hmm. But the level of compensation was so vastly different for those in India than those in the U.S. that it obviously shows a real disconnect in whether or not it is helping or harming.
1: Right. And then there was a specific case in 2014 when a couple abandoned one of the twins that were born in India, which brought a spotlight on the transnational surrogacy and some of the downfalls. Of that practice. Right. Apparently,
2: one of the twins was born with a disability. Mm -hmm. And when they found that out, literally just abandoned them on the street and left.
1: So it was really ugly. Yeah. And the growth of surrogates in Southeast Asia grew in pre-pandemic years. But the controversy of transnational surrogacy and this lack of regulations has been a focal point of why many countries are banning the procedure.
2: Right. I believe there was a case in Cambodia in which they had, I don't know, it was like 32 women where they found they were being surrogates and that's against the law. It was completely banned. So they were threatened 15 years, like a lot of years in jail, but instead uh, took the plea to keep the children and raise the children. And anybody who where assisting got much less sentence, which I thought was funny because they were the ones that facilitated all of this. Mm. So you would think if this was an actual human trafficking case, they would have gotten the bigger sentence as the traffickers. Right.
1: You would hope.
2: <laughs> yeah. And this was definitely one of those a traditional surrogacies where they, it was their egg. And that's believed they had to pay a pretty big fine. Uh, but it, the national headlines were that they were trafficking. So again, it kind of goes into like, oh, but yeah. yeah. Okay, I know what you're trying to say, but at the same time, and is it shady? Yes. Like, I again, when it comes to when uh, countries like the U.S. And, and the couple was from Australia, that dropped like when you have those types of uh, divide, one using the other, you're like, yeah, there's a big disparaging level here that it's kind of like. Uh, Yeah, this is not pretty. This is not cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was an interesting case that I did read. So also a big controversy has been whether this practice is an affront to womanhood altogether. As a proposal to legalize surrogacy in New York came around, many feminists, including Gloria Steinem, opposed the legislation, arguing that, quote, paid surrogacy turns women's bodies into commodities and is coercive to poor women given the sizable payment it can bring.
1: Yes. As the New York Times states in their article concerning fertility and surrogacy, quote, some critics contend that the quest for fertility equality erases women and denies their essential biological role. And though many surrogate babies are born to straight couples, some opponents of surrogacy are uncomfortable with connecting the purchasing power of men, especially gay men, to the bodies of women.
2: Right. So this was specific to uh, why they were saying that it was biased against gay men, mm. these bands. And, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was pretty specific. They were trying to say that they, this felt like they're taking away womanhood. Right. And we're going to talk about it a bit, but it just seems homophobic as well as a bit transphobic when you look at the bigger terms of what's womanhood. Yes,
1: definitely. And yeah, yeah, it, it, though it is very reminiscent of those who make the transphobic argument of biology, some say that this is in reference of pregnancy to womanhood, Professor Phyllis Schessler, who wrote about the surrogacy case of Baby M, states, some people want to do away with reality, but biology is real, biology exists, and biology is what will get you pregnant. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> well, and then speaking of Baby M, um, so the case of Baby M, which again, we talked about just previously, was a huge case that went to the Supreme Court in 1988. So this was all before uh, gestational this is all uh, traditional uh, surrogacy. So what happened? In New Jersey in 1985, a woman agreed through a contract to be a traditional surrogate to a couple named the Stearns. The wife of the intended parents had uh, multiple sclerosis and felt she would not be able to endure the pregnancy, like a lot of physical uh, limitations, and went through the surrogacy route. Uh, the woman was compensated $10,000, which would equate to about $22,000 today, to carry the pregnancy to term and would relinquish parental rights to the Stearns. But after giving birth, the woman changed her mind and gave up the money to keep the child and then was sued by the Stearns.
1: Yes. Um, and in the lower courts, the Stearns won. However, in the Supreme Court, the decision was reversed. They invalidated the contract stating that it was in quote, affront to public policy and the intended payment was quote, illegal, perhaps criminal and potentially degrading to women. However, custody was given to the Stearns under the premise that it was in the child's best interest. But this case is often used as a reason commercial surrogacy should not be legalized. Though the case for traditional surrogacy and gestational surrogacy, um, these cases are often seen as completely different.
2: Right, which is how it's stated in much of the laws throughout the country. But yeah, I found that interesting uh, because it's still reminiscent, like I found an article that was written in 2018 talking about it. And obviously, as we were talking about the one reporter who had actually, she was the one that chronicled the whole event, Ms. Chesler, from this case and kind of became known for it. So therefore, she her commentary later on was very important because she was that, you know, eyewitness of that. And it reverberated to the, They're gonna take. It's almost like a lifetime movie, and I think it was a lifetime movie. I want to say it was (laughs) uh, where the the woman was taking, trying to take back the child, and how it affected uh, the young lady. Mm -hmm. She was. It was a baby girl. So, and some of the controversy comes from the conservative standpoint of the heteronormative ideas of family, which. Could also, again, lean to the continued debate of women's bodies and who has authority over it and, you know, the lack of autonomy of it. And while researching the subject, there are many sites dedicated to the fact that surrogacy, again, was just a slap in the face to families, traditional families, Mm -hmm. and to children's rights. And that surrogacy, quote, deliberately separated the child from the only mother that they have ever known the moment they were born. So it's kind of weird, like what? Yeah. Uh, again, this makes me question why many of the conservatives would suggest adoption as an alternative for anything for abortion. You know, we we hear this a lot. If that's the case, if right. they're arguing for that, I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't line. This doesn't align. I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> I mean, again, it definitely feels very much
1: like okay, we've made it so difficult for women to have agency over their reproductive rights. They're making money off of it. No, (laughs) never. Right. That's wrong. (laughs) On top of this, there is also, yes, this constant fear of human trafficking that's been a thread throughout what we're talking about. And please note that it is considered by these sites, um, human trafficking, even though it's legal surrogacy agencies they're talking about. As you said, Samantha, that doesn't mean there aren't issues, but they are legal circus <laughs> agencies. I
2: mean, when we talk about human trafficking, we talked about it so much yeah. with Bridget, just how they're using this almost mm-hmm. as a caveat to so many things to trigger... A response yep. and this is kind of on that same lines. Again, so many shady practices. And this we're talking about human lives. I feel the same way when it comes to adoption that we need to regulate and have this conversation and hold people accountable mm-hmm. for sure. And just the limits that it, it can be abused. Yep. Absolutely. Uh again, I go for both of those things. But mm-hmm. like I said, when we have just constantly using these words where it's like it doesn't mean what you think it means anymore.
1: Yeah. Or you're just using it, right. essentially. yeah. Another reason these sites state for being against surrogacy is that it has a negative impact on the children, even giving specific accounts from children who were surrogates stating that they felt like um, their lives were negatively impacted, However, in a 2013 study led by Susan Gollenbach, director of the Center of Family Research at the University of Cambridge, there were questions of adjustment problems at a younger age, about age seven, for children born through surrogacy, but it also depended on the openness of the birth with their children. And that by age 10, there were no differences in behavioral adjustments with the children uh, they were studying, is what they found.
2: Right. So, I, I have not found many studies. Uh, I did find a couple of studies about those who were surrogates and that if that impacted the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, it really didn't. Again, I feel like this could be said along the lines of adoption as well. Like, if you're openly communicating what this is and who, why this is, that there were less likely any real disruptions and adjustments and behaviors, even though people were like, but, but it's the lying part that often will affect young children, Mm -hmm. especially if they feel like something has been hidden and or that it is a stigma. So if you're ready to nip that in the bud, oftentimes they can. And even in the baby M case, the young woman who was the baby there was in question, said that uh, she was fine. It's quoted uh, from 2007, because apparently she does not care to be in the limelight. So we don't read much about her, which I don't blame her. No. But she states, I love my family when it comes to the Stearns uh, very much and very happy to be with them. I'm very happy I ended up with them and I love them. They're my best friends in the whole world. That's all I have to say about it. So... Again, there's different cases and conversations about who is affected by what. Of course, we know that these similar sites will also have a conversation about how LGBTQ parents affect children as well and the upbringing of children. So I would take that all with a little grain of salt. Mm-hmm. And again, not a lot of numbers out there. It's kind of funny to me how sperm that is really given seems to have less stigma than the actual mothers yep. who are going through this. And it is the mothers who are often judged more so
1: than the fathers in that family. Yeah, in both cases, like the surrogate right. and the mother. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, this is all very, very interesting. And as we said at the top, listeners, if you have any experience or knowledge about any of this please write to us you can email us at Stephanie at iheartmedia.com you can find us on twitter at momstuffpodcast or on instagram at I've never told you thanks as always to our super producer christina thank you christina and thanks to you for listening I've never told you is a production of iheart radio for more podcasts from iheart radio visit the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows